Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, last week, we started a series of sermons for Lent on the uh, Christian disciplines. Uh, and if you were here, you remember that Pastor David reminded us that the disciplines, they are the things that we do to put ourselves in the places where God meets us to give us his grace. They are not magical. Uh, they are not complicated. They are not uh, for the super spiritual. They are for all of us. Just like when you uh, get a drink of water when you're thirsty, just like you put on a jacket or a sweater when you're cold, the disciplines are simply the things we do to put ourselves in the places where God has promised to ordinarily meet us. And when we practice them, we find ourselves healthy and we find ourselves growing and we find ourselves maturing as followers of Jesus. So this morning, we're going to talk about one of the most foundational of the Christian disciplines. We're going to talk about prayer. So I'm going to read from Luke 11 for us, verses 1 through 13. You can follow along uh, in the order of worship where it's printed, or you can follow along in a Bible, or you can just listen as I read from Luke 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give up, get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence... He will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, as we just heard in that Old Testament lesson, you are the one who dwells in eternity in the high and holy places. And at the very same time, as astounding as it is to us, you also dwell with us, the lowly. And so we ask now, Father, that as we think about this teaching that Jesus gave us, that we would apprehend that that's true, that we would feel it, sense it, hear it, know that it is true, that you are with us and that you love us. Show us your grace again. Show us the grace that you gave to us in Jesus and change us by it. Help us to know who you are better. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Well, a lot of times I think that the way that we uh, talk to someone is determined really by our relationship with that person. It's kind of a common sense thing. We don't talk to our bosses in the same way that we talk to our spouses or our significant others. We don't uh, talk to our friends in the same way that we talk to our children. Hopefully we don't talk to the customer service rep on the phone in the same way that we talk to our moms. So what I want to ask is, how should we talk to God? How should we talk to Him? And our answer to that question, of course, hangs largely on our understanding of who He really is. And our understanding, or at least what we think He might think about us. And if we're being really honest, we will admit that our understanding of who God really is doesn't just uh, control how we talk to God. It doesn't just influence how we talk to God. I think it often influences whether we talk to him at all, especially if no one's looking. And Jesus knows this, and that is why he taught what we just read and heard together. And I think it is a good word for just about every one of us here this morning. To those of us here this morning who'd like to pray, um, but we don't. To those of us here this morning who'd like to pray, but we aren't sure how. For those of us here this morning who'd like to deepen our practice of prayer, and maybe... For those of us here this morning who aren't really all that interested in prayer at all, I think what Jesus says speaks to every one of us. And I, and I love how Luke, the gospel writer, sets it up. He says, Jesus was praying in a certain place and his disciples were watching him pray. You see this a lot of time in the gospels. Jesus goes off by himself and he prays and there's something about it that seems to be pretty compelling. Something about Jesus praying, something about watching him pray or maybe hearing him pray was so magnetic. Um, so much so that in this case, the disciples are, are watching him pray. And then after he finishes praying, one of them says, Lord, teach us to pray. And I have to tell you that I think that this question, teach us how to pray, I think that this is an absolutely fascinating question. And here's why. Um, because without exception, Jesus' followers are people who had been praying and been around people who were praying every single day of their lives. At this point in their lives, they had been a part of and prayed thousands and thousands of prayers. Most people in Jesus' day prayed what we call fixed-hour prayers. That's prayers that are prayed at specific times of the day, every day. Prayer was part of their personal life. It was part of the worship that happened in synagogues. It was part of the worship in the temple. These disciples that were following Jesus had access to some of the most eloquent and theologically rich prayers that were ever prayed or recorded. These were people who prayed a lot. So what they're seeing Jesus do is not a novelty to them. They weren't unclear about what prayer looked like. They weren't unclear about what kind of things might be nice to say in a prayer. So their desire for him to teach them how to pray, it had to have gone much deeper than just instructions on the content of prayer or the mechanics of prayer. What is it about Jesus praying that makes them want it for themselves? 
that makes them want to get a hold of it and be able to do it like he did it. And what I want to suggest, based really on how Jesus actually answers the question, is that the thing that they wanted to get for themselves, even if they didn't know how to articulate it, was the intimacy and the familiarity and the ease with which Jesus spoke to God. So yeah, Jesus is happy to tell them what to pray, and he does. We read it together. He gives them a little short model prayer. But we also heard this together when we read and heard it together, that the lion's share of Jesus' answer to their request is not about what to pray. It is about to whom they will be praying. Who he is. His character. His nature. For Jesus, knowing who we're praying to is at least as important as knowing what to pray. So you know, you know what's easy? Watching TV is easy. You know what else is easy? Looking at a device, scrolling through infinite social media feeds. That's easy. You know what's hard? Praying. Praying is hard. It is difficult. If you've ever tried to do it, if you've ever tried to make that a part of your life, you don't need me to tell you that it's difficult. It's difficult is if it's a habit in our life, and it's difficult if it isn't a habit in our life. And yet Scripture makes it clear that it is absolutely indispensable for the life of faith. It's actually indispensable for the good of this world that we live in. I mean, Scripture makes it clear that in the mystery of the way that God works in His world... Our prayers are not just things that God uses to change us. They are things that God uses to change the world. Prayer is deeply important for the life of the church. And prayer is deeply important for the good of the world. I think one of the reasons that's true is because our competencies and our skills and our abilities, they only get us so far. They are formidable. People like us in a place like this, they're formidable. But they only get us so far, and then my impotence is exposed. Our impotence is exposed. And I want to take the lead from Jesus here and suggest that one of the reasons prayer is so difficult for people like us is that we don't have a big enough sense of who it is that we're talking to. Maybe we don't know God like we think we do. Maybe he is not who we imagined him to be. Maybe when it comes right down to it, he's a bit of a stranger to us. And we need to get acquainted with him or reacquainted after some time away. It makes sense. How can we enter into shared life with God? How can we enter into that kind of way of being with God if we don't know who it is that we're talking to? And Jesus' teaching here is aimed directly at the heart of that crucial and immediate aspect of learning how to pray. He wants us to know God. And so he says, when you pray, say, Father. Father. We need to think about that for a minute. We're so used to that language. We, When we pray, we say, Father. When I pray here on Sundays, we say, Father. 
and we're so used to that language, and I'm afraid it's easy to miss the power of it, that those who follow Jesus call God Father. In the whole Old Testament, in all of the Old Testament, which is the scriptures that Jesus and those who are following him have, in the whole Old Testament, God is called Father 14 times. And in those 14 times, it's in the formal sense of creator. It is in the formal sense of the the source of life for this world or for a particular people. No one in the Old Testament, no one in the Old Testament ever calls God his or her father. No individual ever does that. But Jesus, that is all he ever calls God. He calls him father. With one exception, that is the only way that Jesus ever addresses God. And he uses the normal, everyday word for father, the word that was out on the streets. It's the word that he called Joseph when he was coming up. It's the word that kids out playing around in the streets used to address their fathers. This this is how Jesus addressed God. (laughs) And it's amazing. And we might hear that and we might think, well, that's okay for Jesus, you know. He, He can do that if he wants to. But you need to understand, I need to understand, we need to understand, we need to let it land together that Jesus isn't teaching us that it's okay for him to call God Father. He's teaching us how to pray. He says, when you pray, say, Father. This would have felt astounding to the people that are standing around him. This would have felt shocking to the people listening to Jesus. And I'm afraid our familiarity with these words can blunt their force on us. So please, don't let it blunt their force. (laughs) Jesus is telling us that God wants us to think of him. And not just think of him. He wants us to address him with familiarity and intimacy. Church, we have the great privilege of addressing God as Father. That's how he wants to be known by us and to us. And I think that, I promise actually, (laughs) that spending time reflecting on this and, and praying like this won't just change your prayers, it will change you. But Jesus knows just like every one of us in here knows, that Father is a word that can take on a lot of meanings, and not all of them are good. Surely for some of us, the word Father is bright, and it's happy, and it's good. But for others of us, it isn't. Some of us haven't had fathers. Some of us here this morning had fathers who weren't really around much. They were like ghosts at the end of the day and kind of retreated into themselves. Some of us had angry fathers or violent fathers or weak fathers or abusive fathers. And so I want you to know that if that's you, that part of healing as a child, part of growth into new life as a child, is not abandoning the notion of fatherhood. It is accepting the gift of a good father. 
And that is the gift that Jesus holds out to us now. The gift of a good father. He wants us to know what kind of father God really is. And so he starts teaching us about him with the very first line of that model prayer that he gave to his disciples and to us. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, we hardly ever in our world and our culture talk about hallowing things, and so it might need some explaining to, to hallow something is just to treat it as something that is different and to treat it as separate from everything else in our lives. Sometimes we talk about ground that's hallowed, like battlefields, and when we visit places that are hallowed, we try to treat that place differently. We don't run around on it and treat it like we do the park down the street. It's different. So to pray that God's name be hallowed is for us to recognize that the God that we're addressing with such intimacy, because he has asked us to address him with intimacy, is at the very same time different than us to an unfathomable, untouchable degree. To pray this way is to remind ourselves that we are not God and that we very much need him to be God. And the rest of Jesus' prayer is completely predicated on that truth. He says, when you pray, say, your kingdom come. When you pray, say, give us each day our daily bread. When you pray, say, forgive us our sins because we're forgiving those who sin against us. When you pray, say, lead us not into temptation. These are not things that you ask your pals at work for. These aren't the kind of things that you ask your friends for. You don't want your barista to forgive your sins. You don't ask your barista to do that. You don't ask your boyfriend to give you what you need for everyday life. You do not want your UPS driver's kingdom to come on earth. These are the things that you ask someone who is wholly other, wholly different, and wholly true for. And it is amazing to me that a God who does these things, a God who can do these things, would like for me to call him Father. But that's what Jesus is teaching us. So let me just take a moment to say, it's really the understatement of the century, (laughs) that Jesus' prayer here, this model that he gave us, has been incredibly helpful to Christians from the time he gave it to us. So if you're new to praying or if you feel lost in prayer, or you just like some kind of new way to think about praying, let me give you a a brief guide for everyday prayer that comes out of this prayer that Jesus taught us. It has five parts to it. You don't have to worry about writing them down if you don't want to because they're written down. They're on the welcome table in the back, and you can take it on the way out if you want to. How do we pray every day? Well, first we start with praise. Just speak a few sentences of praise, of hallowing God, of adoring him simply for who he is. Second, confess your sins. Confess your sins as you know them and with as much specificity as you possibly can to let light in into places that need light, the light of Jesus' grace. Third, just listen for a little bit. I mean, just be quiet for a few minutes. 
and listen because prayer isn't just talking at God. It's talking with Him. Fourth, ask God for what you need. Ask Him for what you need and what the people around you need. Ask for that daily bread. And then fifth, end prayer by giving thanks for specific things that He's done for you and for the people around you. End with gratitude. Praise, confess, listen, ask, thank. I mean, as Jesus' model prayer teaches us, prayer can be that simple. And I encourage you, if it's not a regular part of your life, if it's not a daily part of your life, then use a model like this one or use another model that would be helpful to you and just start. You don't have to climb Everest on the first day. Just pray. So Jesus gives us this incredibly helpful model, and then the rest of his teaching loops right back to where it started, to about this Father we pray to, to teach us about who he is. And he starts with this great story. He says a man gets an unexpected midnight visitor, and he doesn't have any bread to feed him. Now what we need to understand is that in the ancient Near East, if a traveling friend came to your home, there was not an option not to feed them. You, that would be unthinkable to put them to sleep without having had something to eat. So this guy has a real problem, and he goes to his neighbor for help. And his neighbor, of course, at midnight is asleep in the customary ancient Near Eastern way. He's asleep. All of his family, his kids are around him asleep. There's nobody in that place that wants to get up. But his neighbor comes anyway and yells into the window of the house in the middle of the night and asks for bread. And Jesus' question is really simple. Which of you, if you were in the same sleepy predicament, would tell your friend to go somewhere else for bread? I mean, it's a rhetorical question because none of them would. None of them would send him away. Because custom and tradition and, as Jesus points out, the impudence and shamelessness of the friend... That would all conspire together to make you get up and throw some crusty old bread out the window and go back to sleep. It's a beautiful story, but Jesus didn't tell the story for the sake of itself. He told it so that he could encourage in us, so that he could enliven in us a certain kind of prayer. Ask, he says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He's teaching us to pray with this kind of shameless impudence, with the nerve of a child, because Jesus wants us to know that there are many ways, <laughs> there are many ways um, in which our Father in Heaven is not like our sleepy neighbor, but He shares this one thing with our sleepy neighbor, and that is that He will get up and act if we have a need. Jesus is saying that's the kind of father that God is. He rises up and he acts on behalf of those who are in need. It matters to him if his children need something. And he wants them to be shameless. He wants them to be impudent in asking him for help. And so church, when we pray to our father, we're saying that we trust in a God who cares about the needs of his children and gets up to meet them. Of course, 
Of course, this isn't a blank check. This doesn't mean, Jesus' teaching here doesn't mean that God just gives us whatever we want whenever we want it. I mean, it's a common sense thing. Think about it. A parent who gives his or her children everything they ask for whenever they ask for it isn't the wisest parent. Because we, (laughs) children, ask for some pretty ridiculous stuff sometimes. And we, children, ask for stuff that seems good in the moment, but we don't know in the end may hurt us or the people around us. So part of the role of a good parent is saying no, even when it's difficult to do so. But Jesus wants us to know. (laughs) Part of the role of a good father is also to give even better things than what his children are asking for. That's what Jesus gets at at the last lines of his teaching. He asks this other rhetorical question. What father among you, if his children ask him for a fish, would instead give him a serpent? Or if they ask for an egg, would give him a scorpion? It's another rhetorical question. I I think of it sometimes in the most literal ways when my kids ask me for something. I mean, if one of my daughters asks me for an egg, I don't reach into the fridge and pull out an egg and drop it in their hand unless I'm trying to be funny. If they ask me for an egg, I fry it up or or scramble it with some cheese and they might get some bacon and some OJ and some toast with it. And that's exactly Jesus' point. If guys like me who are evil, which is Jesus' very earthy and very true way of saying, I'm nothing like God the Father. If a guy like me knows how to give good gifts to my kids, then what do we think he will be like? How do we imagine him to be? How does he show himself to be? Jesus' point here is simple. God the Father is way better than your sleepy friend. (laughs) If your sleepy friend, who's really good, who gets up and gets you bread, if if you like him that much, think about what you will think of the Father. If the worst dad that you know is going to set you up with food when you ask for it, imagine what the Father will be like. Imagine how he is inclined towards you because he exceeds them to an infinite degree. He is happy to give good gifts to his children no matter what. And you know, this is not a theory for Jesus. He's not working a theory. He knows. Just like we know. It's true. Because it ends up costing our Father everything to give to us what he gives to us. It takes him to the most painful place a parent could ever be in. But it was the best gift the perfect gift for his children. And so he rose up and gave it. Jesus couldn't be more clear in this teaching. He's telling us this is what God is like. And he's telling us this is what God is like. Not so that we'll write it down in a textbook. Not so that we will think about it when we're falling asleep tonight. He is telling us this is what God is like. So that we will talk to him so that we will enter into shared life with God, so that we will pray. So do we want to know God more deeply and intimately? Do we want to grow up in the faith? Do you want to grow? Do you want to deepen in your love of your neighbor? Do you want to deepen in your understanding of the self-giving love of God for you? Do you want to have it change who you are as a human? 
Then walk over to the place where he said he would meet you. Practice the discipline of prayer. Let me pray for us. Father, help us to remember Jesus' teaching, and when we forget it, use everything, everything that you have at your disposal to remind us that it's true, that you are a good God who at great cost to himself will give us everything. Father, remind us in every way possible that that's true. Help us to believe it, help us to cling to it, and help us to talk to you and find the life and the renewal and the grace that you have promised us in that discipline. Father, use it to heal us. Use it to change us. And we ask that you would do it for our good and for the good of the broken world around us. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.